0: Well, as uh, they're taking up the offering, we're going to go ahead and release Flip 180. If you have a fifth through eighth grader, you can release uh, your student to to go back to their class. So those can be released. And today, as we get ready to get into the Word of God, we have a great joy. Uh, Somebody different is going to share in the Word today. Um, As Pastor Tom and Michelle went on sabbatical, uh tom wasn't the only one on sabbatical but michelle was too and we really felt like the lord wanted us to have her share a little bit of her journey through this sabbatical so would you guys be interested in hearing from michelle amen so why don't you guys welcome michelle up today and we're going to pray for her and bless her and um i just thank god for this woman (laughs) um She is a wonderful woman of God, and she has been a beautiful wife to Pastor Tom. Can I have an amen on that? And she has uh, been a patient woman with her Pastor Tom. (laughs) And uh, I thank God for her. And um, if you don't mind, I'm going to bless her and pray for her. But I'm also, Michelle came to me several weeks ago. And she said, you know, Eric, I would really appreciate it if you would bless me and give me a spiritual father's blessing. She goes, you're my spiritual father. And uh, so I've been praying over the last several weeks, and the Lord just, man, I'm sorry I'm a little emotional here, but I thank God for this woman, and she's going to share a message. But I also felt like the Lord wanted me to give her a spiritual father's blessing. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this woman of God. I thank you for this daughter of God. I thank you for this woman who has been faithful through the trials of life. And, Father God, I am so proud. Michelle, I am proud of you. I bless you as a spiritual father. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I break off every generational curse of uh, of. of of darkness that has been on your life. There's been things that you've longed for from spiritual authority and even your natural authority from your Father. And the Lord today is giving you a special Father's blessing as you stand before the congregation of of the Lord. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I break off that orphan spirit, that spirit of rejection that's tried to take you down so many times. And I bless you with the Father's blessing. And I want you to know I love you and I bless you in Jesus' name. And I thank you for your faithfulness to God and his people. Over the last several years, you went through many trials, many things people don't know, but the Lord has been faithful to you, daughter. And I bless you to preach the, the, King, the word of God today. I bless you. I give you peace in just knowing that God is with you as you share this word. It's coming out of a heart that has been changed by God. And so we bless you today, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. Oh, love you. Love you too. Thanks, mm-hmm. everybody. Welcome, Thank Michelle Preble.
1: Uh, Amen. Okay. Uh, that's all right. Okay, now that I'm a mess. Um, <laughs> swear I put makeup on just for entrance purposes only. <laughs> oh. It's funny because I was about ready to tell everybody this is not a tear-free zone today. <laughs> I've been crying through worship and, uh, and so, yeah, I just want to say um, thanks for the sabbatical time, for understanding Um, because the Lord really has done a work in my heart, and my husband's heart, and he has really brought us from a place of despair and wanting to walk away to life again. It's fun to see the sparkle in his eye again. It's fun to feel life again and, um, see the hope of the future. Huh? Yes, he's at Bethel this week. That's why he's not here today. He left yesterday morning. And um, he's at Bethel for the did and get back till next Saturday late at night. So he's spending time with pastors there and getting more downloads, more things that he needs. Um, he tried to—they were going to do it during his sabbatical, and they switched it when it was coming close to the time. So he still went ahead and did it. So just pray that he gets blessed and gets everything he needs from there. Um uh, all right. I'm at a loss. I'm sorry. Um, so I just want to share part of my journey and what the Lord has brought me through, and um, in this process of the three months and even still now, because it's something I have to walk out. I can't just pray it away, be delivered, because I got strongholds and fortresses of thoughts and patterns in my life that I have to overcome. I mean. Telling the spirit to go is one thing, but you still have to walk it out, and so I'm still in that walking out process, but this is something that's very, um, has me in a vulnerable state at the moment, you know, because <laughs> it's the revelation and the and the changing of your heart and the Lord kissing your heart, and so um, it's still an emotional process for me, um, but I feel like through seeing what I'm going through, that it's also going to set some of you free also and bring an awareness and a revelation of what's been going on in your own life that you haven't been able to put a a finger on. This is how I feel. This is the way it's going, but I don't know. I'm just at a loss of how to deal with this and what it is, and so um, you all know that at the beginning of our sabbatical, we went to a place in North Carolina, Hendersonville, called RTF, Restoring the Foundations, and um, it's a ministry that um, brings deliverance and emotional healing and helps you get back on your feet again. And it was just an incredible, very specific process. We had to fill out a 20-page application about the story of our life. And they pray over it, and they get the leading of the Lord about what specifically are you needing to deal with and how, what's the process. And um, we got some real freedom in it but they also educate you in the process and make you a part of the process and teach you how to do it so when you walk away you can do it on your own and so it's been that process over the past couple months of walking this out and getting reinfected and going back and fixing my messes (laughs) and um, it's been very liberating Um, and so one of the things is is that they take you to generational pass-downs and um, ungodly beliefs that you're dealing with and then some traumatic hurts that has happened to you over your life. And, and so one of the traumatic hurts that the Lord started taking me back to were some in my childhood where there was a night. It was summertime, so my window was open and it was warm and my bed was right by the window. And it was um, in the middle of the night and I woke to hearing my parents arguing outside. And my dad was just crying in anguish. Something I never heard in my entire life. Here I was about 9, 10 years old. And my dad's just bawling and crying. And he's letting my mom have it through all the tears. And the instant I heard that fear gripped my heart, the security of my heart was lost. And... Um, I just remember thinking the thoughts of, oh, my goodness, our family's falling apart. Oh, my word, this is terrible. What am I going to do? And um, I woke, then I forced myself to go back to sleep because I just couldn't think about it and experience that anymore. I was like, I'm just going to go back to sleep right now. And so I woke the next morning, and I remember going, I'm not going to tell anybody that I heard this, that I witnessed this. And I am just going to try to make life easy here. I'm going to take care of everybody. I'm going to help my parents out. And that's what I did. And if you ask anybody about who I am and what I was as a child, they'll all tell you I was very independent. I was very helpful and, um, and very stubborn was the other word they would use. <laughs> um but what slowly and surely started happening, though, is that I started to emotionally divorce my parents in my heart because, I see, I didn't need them anymore. I had it figured out. I was going to do this on my own. I didn't need their help because life was too overwhelming for them, and I didn't want them to totally lose it, so I'm going to do it on my own. And, and through that emotionally divorcing my parents in my heart, um, it it started to release the oppression of the orphan lifestyle and an orphan heart in my life. And um, it would prove to be detrimental for years for me. And and I even remember coming to a point um, where the insecurity in my heart just kept growing and growing and growing, and I came to this crossroads where... Either I could crumble under this and trying to figure it all out on my own, or I could take on the world. And I was always ready for a good fight. <laughs> I was, asked my siblings. I didn't like to be pushed around. So I took the avenue of I'm going to take on the world. I'm going to figure out my independence. I'm going to do this. And so that brought on the thought processes of nobody's going like, to make life happen for you. You're going to have to do it on your own if you want to be successful and great in this life. You're going to have to do it all on your own, which then just, that just, like, gave such a sure footing to that oppression in my life and that stronghold to have that, because that's how I lived. I did. I mean, I did up to the point of getting saved, and I didn't get saved till I was 21. I was raised in the church. I was raised Catholic, so I knew God, but I did not have that personal relationship with him till I was 21, And I was very independent, very, um, I'm going to do what I want to do and how I want to do it, which just brought on a gamut of problems for me, relationally, um, in my own family and with others as well. A life of oppression spawned by an orphan heart is common experience of almost every person. I don't know if you realize that. Every one of you at some point in your life have experienced the oppression of the orphan heart. Um, even among Christians who know forgiveness and truth and you're saved and you're doing your Bible studies and you're trying to live it out, your best Christian life, you still have to deal with the oppression of the orphan spirit on your life. It's always attacking. And. But only a small percentage of us have fully experienced the Father's embrace to lay in the bosom of the Father and allow Him and His love to be what, what, what brings you freedom and restoration to your life on a daily basis. Um, and I just want to go over real quick some of the some of the symptoms, some of the things that may be happening to you to help you identify, is this or is this, a- is this active in my life? Is it not? Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There were several more that I didn't put on here because I felt like um, you might grow tired of me <laughs> pointing these out. But the problem is, um, so I'll go there in a minute, um, So I'm just going to read you some questions, and you can answer them for yourself. Do you struggle in feeling like you have to fight and scramble for every advantage and desire that you have? And when others receive advancement or success before you, do you find it hard to rejoice? Do you battle the thoughts that if if I'm not on top, I am not valued or respected? Now, you may not say these things in exactly this way, but it's that feeling. Does that resonate with you? Is there truth in that for you? How are you in handling others' faults? Do you find that you are prone to building yourself up while tearing someone else down? Or do you always put everyone else first and never taking care of you? Have you experienced a loss of relationships because of your control issues, criticalness, possessiveness, or lack of honor and respect? Do you have a hard time admitting you're wrong without blame shifting? Blame shifting is, well, if you wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done it, or they did this, and that caused me to act this way. It's... If you have an inability to fully own your responsible part in what's going on, then you're a blame shifter. Um, How are you at handling someone bringing you a warning or guidance, advice, counsel, or somebody just simply walks up to you and says, Hey, I've noticed this about you. Is it a personal offense or rejection to you? How are you ex- at expressing unconditional love? Do you love easier when all are performing the way you want them to? What happens when they don't? Um, do you feel lonely even in the midst of many? Does jealousy come knocking at your door often? Do you get your minutes of Bible study and prayer in but lack the ability to truly experience the presence of the Father's embrace? Do you suffer with independence and self-reliance? Are you convinced that if you want anything, you must do it yourself, and no one can do it better than you? In actuality, like I said, we all struggle with the orphan spirit, and we have Adam and Eve to thank you. Thank for that. They were walking in sonship. They were walking in the father's embrace, and they willingly chose independence. Eve was deceived, and Adam chose it. And if you don't know that story, it's in Genesis 3. I'm not going to go there right now. But that's why we all battle with it. That's where it comes from. It is handed to us from birth, and it is something we have to overcome. I've probably struggled with about every one of these in my life at some point or another. They've reared their ugly head, And, um, and it's not been fun in this process of trying to get free from it. And I didn't realize until of recent that this is what I've been dealing with for so many years and getting emotional healing and walking out Deliverance and freedom in my life. And I can look back and I can go, Oh, I remember the first point, Lord, where you pointed this out to me. And we start dealing with this lie. And then I started dealing with this area of freedom. But it hasn't been until the recent that the Lord has been like, Michelle, it's time to kick it to the curb. Like it is time. You have walked this out and walked it out for so long. I mean, it's probably been 12, 13 years now. When I originally started getting emotional freedom in my life and so it's been a process. Um, I'm sorry I keep saying um and I hate that. (laughs) I had a very tired week this week my child uh, has woke me up many times in the middle of the night and early mornings and so yeah love it and so uh, (laughs) Okay, um, and I know some of you may be perplexed by some of this because you go, you're saved, Michelle. You've been adopted by the Father. When you get saved, you're adopted by the Father. You are a daughter of the Lord. You are not an orphan, and that is all true, and I have been walking in my giftings and anointings, but the difference is, is that I have never entered into to sonship with the Father. I could trust God for all this stuff over here, but I would not trust him with the deep depths of my heart, where I felt so naked and vulnerable and exposed. I couldn't go there and allow him to embrace me in that way, of fully trusting him with everything that I have. We can do that. We can do that even with our parents. I didn't have crazy parents growing up. I mean, my parents were there for me. You can be in a well-to-do home. You can have the greatest parents on the earth and still deal with the orphan spirit. And my parents, I could trust them to provide for me in all the ways. They gave me car, they gave me food, they gave me lodging. They never left me homeless. I could say hello to them. I could laugh with them. But when it came to the intimacy of my heart and what was truly going on in the depths of my heart, I could not have those conversations with them. I did not trust them with it. I couldn't leave my heart folded open and trust that they would handle it well. And that I couldn't do it with the Lord either. I had a hard time with it. It's not that I didn't have moments of it. I did, but then I would retract and up become my fortress again. So that is the difference. Oh, Chad, I forgot this one. I knew there was a third one. Romans 8.15. I'll give him a minute to put it up. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Here's, the, here's a real check in your heart. And I know you've probably heard this and you know this, but Abba, Father is a term of endearment. It's one of those sweet little um, pet names that you have for those that you love, like, like Tom, I call him babe all the time. So if you walked up to my husband and called him babe, I would have a problem with that. (laughs) That's my term for him, and that's how we relate. It's the sweet spot of our hearts for each other. And, um, And so that's how Abba Father is. It's when you, you know, your children, you have little nicknames for them, and that's your sweetness. We call um, Alexander our brown bear, our little brown bear, because um, he's a snuggler, and he's just sweet. And, um, and so that's our little term of endearment for him. So when you think of Father God, are you able to go, ah, oh, but Father, to the point that it just, you have this emotional spo- response from within. Yeah. Some people may cry, Some people may be overtaken with warmth and goodness and feel that extravagance of the Lord. Or when you say, Abba, Father, is it just another name? Does it feel awkward to you? Are you able to allow your heart to be laid open for the Lord to have it all? Or do you hold back part of it and not allow him to touch it? And he can only have these certain areas that you are good at flowing in. I'm good over here. I'm good here. But you're not, you're not good here. And I'm not going to let good be good here. I can handle this on my own. That's, that's what we're saying. I can handle this on my own. And we were never meant to be that way. We are never meant to be that way, to be that independent and self-reliant. And few of us have learned how to displace that orphan heart with the heart of sonship and being that beloved son or daughter of the Lord, of really believing that I am the beloved's, and he is mine, and I am his. How much do you believe that of yourself? Or do you always believe that life's going to be hard for you? I was just battling that before church. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm still walking it out. It's coming at me hard. Life's always going to be hard for you, Michelle. You are just going to have to buckle down and just handle it. It's okay. That's God's best for you. And I had to get within myself, and I had to lay my heart out again and go, Lord, I put it out there, and I trust you. I know you have goodness for me. And I had to kick Satan to the curb again. And the Lord reminded me of his greatness for me. And I had to receive that and honor that and respect that and say yes to you, Father God. And so that's walking into sonship. That's receiving your place with the Father. Otherwise, you're just living in his house and you're the other son. And the story of the prodigal son the resentful son—you don't believe all is yours, and that you can—that his goodness is your goodness. You feel like you have to perform and work for it, and that's not God's best. That's not who He is. That's not who He is. That's just not who He is. <clears throat> Jeremiah thirty-one three b. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. It's this kind of unconditional love that displaces all the orphan heart has to offer. This is not something I'm trying to regain, because you can't regain something you never had. It is something I'm trying to walk into. You're not regaining, you've not lost it, if you've never walked into it to begin with. And so I'm trying to walk into it and stay there and not walk out of it anymore. It's that everlasting love of believing that no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, the Father's heart is for me and I can trust Him and I can look to Him and I can connect to Him at all moments. I don't need my independence, I don't need my self reliance, I don't need my own wisdom, my own perceptions of how to handle a situation. Sometimes I just need to keep my mouth shut and allow the Lord to work on my behalf, which I've not been so great at through the years, especially with my husband. He will tell you that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so left unchecked, an orphan heart can grow into a stronghold of oppression a habit structure of thinking or fortress of thought that is so deeply entrenched that only a profound experiential revelation the Father's love can displace it. I wanted to read that to make sure I left none of that out Um, because it is that that's just a powerful sentence. It, It becomes entrenched in you. It is so deep you may not even recognize it yourself and you probably don't have people in your life that you allow to speak into you and show you, hey, you got this problem, because that insecurity rises up, and you want to make a stand, and you want to say, but this, but that, and, boy, do you know you act this way, you know? And it's being able to have accountability in your life and allow people to, to bring, help you bring self-reflection in order to help you rise above and to walk it out and to change. And, and it's being able to receive that. <laughs> it's hard to keep your mouth shut, you know, because that personal offense and that rejection wants to rise up. Mm-hmm. And you want to make your stand and you want to say, uh-uh, you're not going to do that to me. And I'm not saying that I'm asking you to be a doormat to anybody or anything or any, receive any kind of abuse. I'm not saying that at all. So to, please don't take it to the extreme. But those that are in close relationship and love you, do you allow them to have accountability in your life to speak into you and to show you where you do need to change? That's, that's why God is a relational God, and that's why he has relationships going on in our own lives. He uses people. He works through them on your behalf and your benefit. And if you can't receive that, then that tells you there's a problem. And we're going somewhere, and he wants you to go long. And if you want to come along, you're going to have to ditch some of the baggage we've got coming along because there's no time to drag it all around. It's how you have to look at it, and it's—I know it's not fun. I know it's not fun, and it's especially not fun when our spouse has pointed out to us. I know it's not. <laughs> Praise God, Tom and I are finally to a point that I can receive from my husband and not become offended. I know he has my best in mind. I know he does. We've been married almost 18 years. It'll be 18 years in September. And it's taken us that long to get into this groove, to get our own enough emotional healing that we aren't battling each other. And it doesn't help that I'm an external processor and he can't stand that. (laughs) So I just like to, uh, and as I'm speaking out, I get revelation. When I hold it all inside, it just becomes an ugly mess, and I can't handle it. So that's usually when I call Pastor Eric. <laughs> I need to externally process. Walk me through this. Like, help me <laughs> so I don't unload on my husband. Um, so, um, so one of the, because f- what happens when we leave all this unchecked in our lives, we begin a stop. St- 12-step process that brings it into full-on oppression. Now, I'm not going to go through every step. I'm going to read it to you, but there's only like one, maybe two, that I'm going to really hit on today because I just can't go through it all. And so the first step in the orphan spirit walking into it is that you begin to focus on the faults you see in your parental authority. And I'm talking natural and spiritual it can go both ways, that this can affect your life. So you start to focus on the faults, which is what I did when I heard my parents arguing. They were having a hard time and I thought life's too overwhelming for you, that's your fault, this is what I'm going to do. The next step is we receive parental faults as disappointments, discouragement, grief, or rejection. And rejection is pretty much what happened to me most of the time. Does the discouragement come, the grief would come, and rejection would just overwhelm me. Time and time again in my relationship with my parents growing up. And they weren't terrible people. Again, I say it, my parents are not terrible people. They were just wounded themselves. And you can only give what you have yourself to give and what's been given to you. And that's the other big thing. If you don't have it, you're not going to be able to give it and so therefore, those around you and especially your children are not going to be able to walk it out walk things out in the way that you want them to walk it out. You don't want them walking around thinking they're an orphan. If that's but if that's what you have and that's what you have to give, that's what you're going to give. And that's what they're going to feel regardless of what comes out of your mouth. And and the biggest example I have in our family is we've like Tom and I realized one of our weaknesses is we understand that mistakes is how you learn. That's how you learn is by making mistakes. It's just a fact of life. We're just not perfect. We don't get it right every time. Pick yourself up and move on. But because we grew up in a family environment where, where that was just, we got yelled at and criticized and spoken to harshly for making mistakes, even though we tell our kids, hey, that's make mistakes. It's okay. That's part of life. Just learn from them. But I've had a hard time. And Tom's better at it than I am because he has more self-control than I do. I'm just an emotionally based person and I react and I'm getting better at it. But, you know, it's that initial reaction that is what initially comes out. It's what they initially process. And so my initial reaction, one too many times, has been one of upset and anger because of their mistake even though i i i reel it back in and i go it's okay it's okay you just made a mistake just learn from it it's all right but see i still put off that it's not okay even though what i'm saying and so you still put off an orphan heart the symptoms of an orphan heart even though you're trying your best to not give that to them you can only give what you have to give And you can't go beyond that if you yourself do not have it, which then also, right, which then also reflects upon you guys here as us in leadership. And that's where, you know, like, that's where, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but I'm just going to go with it, and that's where I personally... (laughs) Um, I just want to repent to you that you have experienced the negativity of my orphan heart, and it has impacted you in a negative way. And I have misrepresented the Father's love to you. Instead of causing you to run to him, I have caused you to run away from me. Whether you were counseled with me and I made you feel like you had to do it my way. Or you were on a team of people with me and I didn't trust your leading of the Lord and make you, thank you, Sean. Um, and I made you feel like that that I couldn't trust you With what you were wanting to do on the team. Um, Or, there was one more. Because I want you to see how the orphan heart can play out even though you don't want it to. There was a third area, okay. You counseled with me. Oh, whether you were just in a close relationship with me and you were just a personal friend and you felt my controllingness and possessiveness. I am just forever, sorry. Because I love you guys deeply. And, um, but then I'm also excited because it's a trickle-down effect, Mm -hmm. and because Tom and I are dealing with this in our heart, and the revelation has come, and the deliverance has come to us, it's also going to trickle down to you guys, and it won't be as hard as it has been for us, and I'm very happy for you in that, and what God is doing. He's doing great things here, and there's great things coming in the future very soon. So, please grab a hold of what God's doing here. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to figure out where I'm at now. We did number two. Yes. Okay. So, then it leads to step number three. Um,. We lose trust, we lose basic trust in parental authority. Basic trust, not just trust, it's basic trust. Once disappointed, rejected, or otherwise wounded by a parent, we close off a part of our heart to keep us from being hurt again. Wall goes up and certain levels of basic trust are lost. So... Basic trust and trust are two different things. And this is kind of where I want to land for a moment. I want to help bring some revelation to this because this was a big aha for me. Um, For example, if I walk by you with size 15 shoes and I step on your foot, now I'm a kind person, so I say, Oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And you're like, Oh, that's fine. You may still trust me as a person, but the next time I walk near you, you're going to retract your foot, (laughs) because you're going to be sure that you do not get hurt in that same way again. So a level of basic trust has been lost, but you still trust me. You can trust me in the other areas, but basic trust, overall trust, just the foundation, the full foundation of trust has been lost. And this is what happened to me as a little girl. Because I started the process of emotionally divorcing my parents in my heart, and the oppression of the orphan spirit was coming on me, basic trust kept eroding away with them. So each time I got hurt and they handled me wrongly, more and more of a wall went up around my heart to the point that I was pretty much independent and I took care of myself. Praise God I took the great route and not the bad route. Looking back, I know it's because I have praying grandparents and great-grandparents who prayed for me, That's the Lord has told me, because I'm like, why didn't I take the bad route? I took the route of, getting good grades, being as good as I could, putting on this performance of, I'm a great person. You want to be around me because I'm so great. <laughs> and, um, and really, I was a hands-off kid because of it. My parents didn't have to. But then it caused me to be very manipulative and controlling. And I knew how to work the system to do what I want, when I want it, and how I want to do it. And it brought on the disrespect and dishonor also. I had no problem yelling at my parents. No problem showing the disrespect or telling them when I didn't like something that they did. Um, So that's the downfall of it. Because you're like, what's not so bad being independent? You're right. There are some areas where you do need some independence, but you do not need full-on independence. You need interdependence. There is a difference between being independence and interdependence. You can still have dependence and be interdependent on somebody. You have a level of, I can do what I need do, but I still need you to, to do what I need to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. You rely and you flow. And that helps you to, um, it makes you a much better person to be interdependent than to be independent. That's how God designed us. That's why we need him. You need to be, he teaches us interdependence. So if you are independent with the Lord, and even though you're doing all the right things, studying your Bible, getting your worship time in, and you're, you know, you're checking it off your list, if you're doing it all on your own, that you, you're lacking in your relationship with the Lord, even though you're doing all the right things is what I'm trying to say, which is what I did. I did all the right things, but I still lacked in relationship with my parents. I've got to see where I'm in. I'm sorry because I've skipped through and skipped around. Okay, so when we're talking about basic trust with somebody, we're not talking about your ability to believe and trust in another person, but we're talking about that capacity to hold your heart open, to leave it laid open in the midst of when their behavior is questionable. It's still being able to be a real person of exposing what's going on inside of you regardless of what their behavior may be. It's being able to say, you know, you really hurt me in this moment. But the natural inclination of most of us, because we did not have, most of us did not have parents and the ability that we were taught how to feel safe in having a disagreement with somebody. So we've taught ourselves to, to retract and to draw in. And instead of leaving our spirit out in front and laid open and keeping our eyes on God, we retract it all and we start handling it all on our own. And that's not basic trust. At the center, basic trust is an issue between you and God. And um, it's when you're able to move beyond the weaknesses of others and receive God's love moment to moment. So I'm going to give you an example in my own life so that you can help relate to this a little bit better. I had a chance to walk this out last weekend and I failed miserably. But I recognized it after I failed. And so I was having a discussion with somebody who's close to me, and we weren't seeing eye to eye. And they ended up screaming at me and hanging up on the phone. And it grieved my heart. I was really distraught over it. And I went to the Lord and I said, okay. Where did I I make the mistake? And the Lord said, Michelle, I was right here. I was right here. And you kept on going, get out of my way. Get out of my way. And I kept stepping in and going, but this and that. and, And my independence came back into play. And I was looking out for my own selfish needs in the midst of this misunderstanding. And the Lord's like, I was right here, Michelle. I was right here. And you kept pushing me away. And then I started to realize how I retracted my heart instead of so leaving my spirit out into the forefront and w- laid wide open instead of keeping my eyes on him and going, God, I trust you in the midst of this misunderstanding. I trust you, and I will only do what you ask me to do. He wants to be in between you and that person. He wants your spirit to be out in front. He wants your heart laid open, and he wants you to receive the love he has for you. If you keep your eyes on him, it flows from him to you, and you're able to flow that out to the next person. But when you retract your heart and you cut off that love flow, love isn't what comes out of you. It's ugly because you've connected to the ugly instead of to the love. And so what you want, you want your eyes on God, and you, you want to go, I leave my heart out in the midst of this insecurity, Lord, in the midst of this vulnerability, in the midst of this misunderstanding and their questionable behavior. My heart is laid out open to you, and I receive your love, and you will flow through me, and it will impact them, and it will dissolve the mess that is trying to happen here. If that is not happening for you, you need to question your own behavior and not somebody else's. You You have the power and the authority to always flow in love. And when you're not, it's your problem, not theirs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a big key here. That's a big key of overcoming the orphan lifestyle, overcoming the orphan heart. Is forgiveness and repentance of heart. Humbling yourself and having a heart of humility is the biggest key. Felt like the Lord wanted me to share how I reconciled this. When I read this, I'm not I'm not saying that I am the best repenter there is, that I can word everything just so. But I want it to be an example of how this played out, how it came apart, what brought repentance and healing to the mistake that I have made, and how you can use this just as an example. I look at this now and I go, Oh, you could have said this better here. You could have done this better. But God honored it because my heart was humble and it brought healing to my relationship. It took us three days to talk. That was a rough three days for me. I called Pastor Eric Processing. <laughs> um, and so on the third day, I called and they didn't answer and I waited for a few hours, and they still didn't text or answer. And it was, I was just like, i got to take care of this. i got to do my part here. I can't wait anymore. And so I texted them. I said, okay, you may be busy, or you may be avoiding me. And since I do not know which it is, I'm going to text you this, but I would rather talk to you. Because, see, I think it's important if you're going to repent and forgive You need to do it with your mouth and not over texting or email. It's a very intimate moment. And intimacy cannot happen over texting and email. It's the ability to hold your heart open and be emotional with somebody, and you can't do that over just that. And I know that's hard for a lot of you. Texting has become our way of life, and it is breaking down relationships. It is a tactic of the enemy. It serves its purpose in moments, but it is not for everything. Absolutely. If you value somebody, you will pick up the phone or go see them and talk to them. Amen. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you're harboring forgiveness towards me from before Sunday's upset. You have never yelled at me like that or hung up on me before. Since I know that is not your true best, I can only think you are harboring something against me that I am unaware of, that it compounded Sunday's disagreement worse than it should have been. I love you, and tr- you truly have value and worth to me. I know I did not represent love in the way that you needed me to. My character of weakness got in the way and my inability to trust. I love you, but would have grace in my heart if you wanted to walk away. still pains me then they would choose to walk away from me and that's not what they because I love them that much it's that deep that I love but I wanted to give them that option now you're not stuck with me I love you because I want to you're not stuck with me you're not forced to be my friend it's because I choose to be and because of the father's love in my heart for you and I see the value and worth of who you are that's why I love you not because of what you do or don't do for me. Amen. And We worked it out, and it was great, and we were bawling our eyes out. So, um, <laughs> But recognizing the stronghold at work in your life and repenting for it is how you're going to walk out of an orphan mindset. Yes. That's how you battle it. It's going back to people as the Lord brings them up to you and go, I'm sorry. It's going back to parental authority, spiritual parental authority, friendships, relation, any relationships. It was several years ago. It was probably four years ago that I was still dealing with rejection. And I asked the Lord, why did my parents constantly reject them? And he, he grabbed my heart and he said, you rejected them first. Because of your rejection, you felt rejected. I was broken. That all these years, I've had a damaged relationship because I rejected them first. And it goes back to that moment. I rejected them in the midst of their weakness. I rejected them. And it led a life of broken relationship between me and them. I could have had so much more. But in my innocent, infantile mind, I rejected them. And so... I had to go back and repent to them. And I did, and it was so hard. It was so hard to walk up to them. Because, again, we don't have intimate conversations. So when I don't have intimate conversations with somebody, it's hard to walk up and have an intimate moment with them. And so in tears, I said to my dad, I went to them on their own. They weren't sitting together. And I said, I am so sorry if all these years... You felt rejected by me. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I am not going to reject you anymore. And it brought healing. And I did the same thing with my mom. And they both cried. And I knew it. I knew they felt rejected by me. Like, I didn't need them. The independence showed, and I made it clear. And I was so sorry. And we've had a different relationship since. It is. Freedom. Freedom. It also takes the embrace of the Father. So, my heart cry this summer became God, I want that. I want that deep revelation of your love. I want you to impact me with your love. Yes. Penetrate to the core of who I am, <sighs> drive it home, yes. dispel the lies that I may forever walk in that, in that glory, and that I may love your people the way that you love them, God, because I can't right now, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I have lack of relationship. That's the one thing that was so hard for me over this whole sabbatical experience. Um, I said to Eric, I said, and Tom, Tom was even like, I'm so sorry that you're struggling in your relationships Marcel." But I know a lot of people were just giving us our space, But people bring life to me. I like being around people, like talking to people, and it it fuels me. And so when everybody left us alone, (laughs) it was great for my husband. (laughs) But I was like, this is not fun. Why is nobody calling me? So I start reflecting on my relationships and seeing where I came up short and what I did wrong, trying to go, what bad seeds have I sown? And that's when I went, God, I don't ever want to be this way ever again. Lord, I beg you. I want an experiential love with you. I want to flow in your love. I want you to download into me. I want to see people. I want that to flow onto them. I want them to have it. I want their lives to be changed and inspired by being around me. want to just be in their midst and just break things off without even realizing it because it's an overflow of what's happening with you and me yes. people get healed because I understand your love yes. not because I've worked hard to, to, to get all the right things right in the way and now you're healed it's because I understand your love and out of the overflow of your love and the understanding of your love it just exudes from me it just happens because it's a byproduct yes. Amen. that's my heart's cry oh yeah i want to point this out in that apology i want you to i wanted to point out that in repentance and in asking for forgiveness it's just not saying i'm sorry you have to own specifically what you did and make it known that's where true forgiveness comes and humility of heart comes when you can specifically say what you did wrong and how it affected them and how you saw that it negatively impacted them. I want you to, that's, that was kind of why I wanted to show the forgiveness part also. And that can be hard if you've never really walked in that. But it is very freeing. Okay, so we're going to move through. So if you have a... I'm going to go quickly now because I know I've exceeded, but I wanna, I'm want to. i almost done. So after basic trust is lost, we move into a fear of receiving love, comfort, and admonition from others, which I did. It became very awkward for me for doing that. I felt very on the spot and didn't like it. We develop a closed spirit, we take on an independent, self-reliant attitude. We start controlling our relationships. Our relationships become superficial. Superficial means you can't go deep. You can talk about fun stuff, but you really don't know what's at the core of that person. Um, we develop an ungodly belief that says no one will be there to meet our need. Achille was le- living that. Achille felt that all the time. Um, We begin to live like a spiritual orphan. We begin chasing after counterfeit affections. And we all know what those are, counterfeit affections. Mine was food, Nutella on a spoon dipped in chocolate chips. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And the twelfth step, step is, we begin to daily battle a stronghold of oppression. And what that means is, having isolated ourselves from cultivating healthy relationships, we become trapped in the cycle of seeking fulfillment and the things that can never satisfy us. Unable to receive love, acceptance, and admonition, either from God or others, leads us to a life that becomes oppressive mix of tension, agitation, anger, bitterness, restlessness, and frustration that eventually leads to oppression. And those were the words of what came out at home all the time. Tom's like, why are you so tense? I'm like, I'm not tense. Just frustrated. <laughs> then I become bitter because my kids wouldn't act the way I wanted them to. And they were just being ridiculous and the agitate it was just there for me on a daily basis, no matter how hard I tried to control it, and I started controlling it less and less in, at home. Home is where the trueness of yourself comes out. And so a lot of you may not have seen it on a daily basis with me interacting in the ways that we interact it, but at home, it was. Um, I just have a quick story that, that happened just Friday, so, and I think it's kind of a neat little testimony. Um, But before I do, I want to say this. If you have an interest in this, there's two books that are wonderful. The first one is Experiencing the Father's Embrace by Jack Frost. It changed my life when I read it. The funny thing is my husband's had it for months, and I just took it to North Carolina just to have a book to read. He went, I couldn't get into that book. (laughs) And I'm reading it, and I'm going, are you kidding me? Did you read this? Like, this is great stuff. This is changing my heart. Like, what did you not like about this? But I realized until he was able to go through the week at North Carolina, he wasn't able to receive what that book had to say. He was just too bound up. And he's read it now, and it's Robert Laven. So that is one that deals with the orphan heart. And then this one, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost. They're both excellent books. But anyway, the story I'm gonna wrap it up with. So, Tom's leaving on Saturday morning at seven in the morning, Thursday night. He orders a new battery for his computer because it, his battery won't stay charged anymore. And he has a long flight to California. He wanted to have his computer at all times so he had something to do with himself. And um, so he ordered a new battery. He installs the battery late Thursday night and his computer won't come on anymore. And my husband has to have his computer. I mean, it really, it's how he does his job here. He runs all kind of software for the worship team through it. And that alone takes a lot of memory and different things. And his whole life is on that computer. So he's freaking out. He's calling Chuck Cooper. And Chuck Cooper's going, yeah, I would have done the exact thing that you did. I don't know. So he gets up early Friday morning and heads Indianapolis to the Apple Centers. And um, he gets over there. And they're like... We're sorry, your computer's fried. The logic board is bad. And I'm like, that is so weird. <laughs> so that is so weird, just changing the battery, finally made the logic board fry. Are you kidding me? Like, we, you could have still been using it had you not gotten a new battery. Um, so Tom is just wanting to vomit. Like, he is just sickened because the computer he needs... Is yeah, it's real expensive because he needs the extra memory. He needs all this extra stuff on it because of what he does here at church. It's not a cheap computer, and um, he's like Michelle. I'll just get a smaller screen. I'll get an older model, and and that'll only be like eighteen hundred dollars. And I went. I go listen. I'm not bothered by this at all. I go. I think you you need to get what you need to get to do your job and do it well. I said, I don't need two years into this, and you telling me this computer is not going to work for what you need it to work for because you tried to go cheap now. Because my husband is another thing that he's battled with over his years is feeling worth it. Because every time he got a gift from his natural father growing up, there was always repercussions for it. And that is something his dad has overcome. He's not like that anymore, so don't think bad of him. You, But that was a stronghold, his dad. And so Tom has a hard time with that. And um, I went, I'm perfectly fine. Just call me back and let me know what you're going to do. And so he is at the Apple Repair Center place. Well, I forget the name. He was at the Apple store. But anyway, the Lord started downloading to me. And so I texted him, and I said, because this was all about sonship and feeling like you're worth it. So that's why I wanted to end on this. Um, I, said, I texted him and I said, hey, I want you to know that you're worth it. Walk in sonship with God. He has a plan for you. Don't let the enemy beat you up over this. Get what you need. Go to lunch and spend time with God. Then buy what you need. I love you. And he texted me back and he said, thank you. Now I'm crying in front of the (laughs) salesman. And he did that. I mean, he didn't show up till six in the evening. And he spent time with God. He spent time with a friend from Indianapolis. And um, he got with God and he called me and he said, Are you sure? And I said, Yeah, I'm sure. You're worth every penny. And it was several thousand dollars for his new computer. It wasn't just eighteen hundred <laughs> because they had a special order because he needs bigger RAM and just takes a lot of computer to do all this stuff. So, but I just knew it was God's, God's timing of freedom, freedom for him. You need to walk in your sonship. It's who you are. I have good things for you. I'll take care of it. It doesn't matter. And that's what I said. I said, God, we'll figure it out. God'll take care of it. It doesn't matter. You're worth it. Go spend the money. And so just that was stuck. I thought that was kind of neat. So let me pray for you and we'll end this. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to share the testimony of what you're doing in our lives and what's gonna, what's coming forth for this church. God, bless their hearts. I pray you just bring it to the forefront in their lives, that you keep reminding them of the small steps or the things or the big steps, Lord, that you want them to take in order to walk in sonship with you at a greater degree, a greater level. We love you, Lord. Bless their day. I just ask for a hedge protection around everybody, your bloodline, smoke screens. <laughs> Hedges of protection, Father God. And we just thank you for that. And I ask that everybody be blessed as they go in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Go and be blessed. Amen. We're on a journey of freedom, guys. Let's get freedom. Amen. Have a blessed day.